Good morning. Um, our Bible reading this morning, first part, is from Luke, chapter 24, verses 36 to 49. If you have, if you have one of the church Bibles, it is on page 749. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened, his minds, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but you stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Uh, the second part is from Matthew chapter 28. Verses 16 to 20. This is on page 706. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thanks, Eddie. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can uh, be here this morning. Wherever we are at, uh, in our relationship with you or trying to uh, wrestle with that, we ask that you'll help us to see uh, what it is that the goal of a Christian should be. Amen. Let me ask you, what is the best thing you have made? What comes to your mind? What's the best thing that you've made? Let me tell you the best thing that I've made. Uh, if you've been to my house, you've seen we have, a, we have a table that used to be an Ikea table, the worst purchase we ever made because it's one of those tables that you can pull apart in the middle and add an extra one in and it's that rubbish chipboard wood. When you have kids in one of those tables, they spill water, it warps and it's a disaster. So what, so what I did was, is we went, I can't remember the name of the place, where you get all old woods and things, um, I can't remember the place in LA somewhere, um, and we got these 50-year-old floorboards. And we built this amazing table. And if you've seen the table, uh, we put it all together and it's this beautiful now old uh, kind of uh, rustic looking wooden table. It's fantastic and it's really, really great. The only problem with that is, 
is that my making of that table was to suggest to Jen, why don't you try this? And then she ignore it. It was for me to say, yeah, that looks good. And it was for me to say, uh, yeah, I don't know, why don't we do it this way? And then for me to get in trouble. See, the best thing that I've ever made was me watching Jen on the sidelines and her make this amazing table with her dad. That's the best thing that I can come up with. I know many of you are highly skilled and have made some amazing things in your time. <laughs> I was thinking um, I was thinking that actually all Christians need to make something. That's what I reckon we need to take away today. And we're going to reflect on this more. It's one, of, it's one of our three points for the year, making disciples together. And I don't think we can be like me and the table that beautifully sits in my lounge room on the sidelines pretending. We need to actually really engage with this idea. We've been thinking about growing like Jesus over the summer. We've been thinking about serving and we're kind of doing that again today. This one is at the heart of who we are at TNE because it's at the heart of who all Christians should be, making disciples together. And so my goal today is to convince you to be on board with that, wherever you are. And importantly, not just in principle as an idea, but also in action. If you're not a Christian, if you're wrestling with this, um, I hope you can see today as you consider why Christians care about this. And along the way, um, what we'll see is the heart of the message that all of us need to engage with. Simple structure today. What, how and why? What are we talking about when we say making disciples together? How does it happen? And if you're going to be convinced by it, you need to jump on board with the why. Why would you do this? Why is this who we are? And as we do this today, we're going to kind of finish with uh, some reflections and thoughts that we can put into place at t and So first of all, what? What are we talking about? Well, I think we're talking about very clearly what Eddie read to us in Matthew's uh, conclusion uh, to Jesus' uh, time with them. In the Gospel of Matthew, one of the um, autobiographies of Jesus' life, Jesus finishes his whole ministry by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus' final words in Matthew's Gospel tell us, I'm the boss. Okay, guys, I'm the one in charge. Here are my final words to you, and I'm telling you, go and make. Now, have you ever had the experience? Actually, quite a few of you have probably been the boss in your work where you've come in and you said, okay, I'm the one in charge. I'm sure you did it in a 
kind and, and appropriate way. Uh, I'm the one in charge, so now my minions, you need to go and do this. Or my workers or friends, whatever you want to say. You need to go and do this. And they respond with, okay, slaves, okay, boss, we will go and do that. Because you're the one in charge. Or you've had to respond to the one in charge because they've given you the right respond, uh, job because that's how it works. All authority in heaven on earth. If you can come to that conclusion about Jesus... What he says, if you're going to follow him, you have to be on board with. And he says, go and make disciples. You see, the goal of all followers of Jesus, all Christians, is to make more disciples. Disciples, followers, using them interchangeably today. To make more followers of Jesus. It's not an added extra. It's not something that some of us can choose to do when Jesus says, go and make. That's what he has instructed for us. It's not an option like when you go to the Coke machine and there's far more than just Cokes in the Coke machine. You can choose whatever you like. It's not like you can choose, I'll be a making disciple. I'll actually just help uh, Christians. I'll just read my Bible. No, no. This Coke machine just has 24 different options that are the same. Make disciples. This is what you sign on to as a Christian. And it kind of, whether you're a Christian or not, you can see how it makes logical sense that if Jesus is the Lord of all and these are his instructions, if you're going to be a Christian, then you're on board with it. You can't say, I'm going to follow Jesus honestly, but his final instructions and his final words... I'm going to ignore. Doesn't kind of make sense. It it just doesn't logically make sense. You see, what we are talking about is that the goal of all ministry is to nurture followers of Jesus in community groups. On Sundays, as we're together, as I'm speaking to you now, as we have conversations over um, morning tea, as we um, do our uh, mainly music groups, the jammer over there now. Hopefully the leaders have the attitude over there, I know they do, they have the attitude, we want these kids to know Jesus and see that they should want to um, share Jesus with others. All the things that we do, including conversations with each other, one-on-one, everything has this mindset. All should be shaping people to follow Jesus. How? The second point, how? It's by a message and God's work that that message is about. So I love the way Matthew's gospel finishes. I love Luke's um, uh, just as much. In Luke 24, if, you haven't, if you've got your Bible there, flick to Luke 24. Because in the way uh, Luke finishes his um, biography of Jesus' life is to point to the details of the go and make disciples it's brilliant because in my mind it unlocks the whole bible to what the whole bible is about and we actually see it's actually about this making disciples you see what happens is we read jesus talking uh, to his disciples and he says to them in verse 44 of chapter 24 This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. 
talk about unlocking, unlocking the Bible, the whole Bible is about Jesus. If you're trying to get your head around this crazy thing that Christians read the Bible, there is the, the overarching summary. Everything is about Jesus. All that kind of weird stuff to us in the Old Testament is pointing us to Jesus. Jesus is fulfilling. It's a shadow of all different ways pointing us to Jesus. Then we go on in verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Jesus helped them understand what all of this about him is about. And he told them in verse 46, this is what he's written. The Messiah, that is God's chosen one, talking about himself. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The message about making disciples is you don't make disciples by being super friendly. I hope you don't take that into be Okay, I'll be rude. Don't flip it. Be friendly. But don't have the attitude... I'll win people over by my kindness or my smile. Here we see following Jesus is about that Jesus had to die on a cross and had to conquer that death for us. At communion, we remember Jesus died for us because we're kind of broken, we've rejected him. The penalty had to be paid. And that was Jesus instead of us, taking our place, his death. So Jesus says, everything is about me taking your place. But I'm not a dead king, I'm a risen king who rules over everything. And so as he's risen and he's speaking to them as the risen Lord, he says the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead. The message in a nutshell, according to Luke, said in many different ways in in, in the Bible, here, Jesus dies, he rises, that's what happened, so you'll turn back to God. That's the response. In Luke 24, that's called repentance. Turning back to God, and there'll be forgiveness, which we've already said sorry and asked for. And we say that with confidence because of what Jesus has done. This message is what makes disciples. Turn back to God and be forgiven because your problem has been dealt with by God. Sometimes we need to actually stop and realize I've been pretending that I don't have a problem. I've been ignoring it. I'm actually kind of a good guy. No doubt that you are. But in the context of relating to God who demands perfection, and you know your heart and your thoughts, never mind your deeds, you know there's a gap. And that's where Jesus went to the cross for you. You see, as we're considering making disciples together, All of us need to first realize this is what we need to come to Jesus and to consider, is his death my death? 
And before we go any further, is that what you need? I don't know whether today you're wrestling and you're thinking, yeah, maybe I do. You don't need to do something special. You don't need to do anything, any kind of ritual. You need to just come to God and say, I am sorry. I need your forgiveness. And I trust in you. And you're a follower of Jesus. And you have an eternity and a life with him. The joy that is with that. And one of the things we're on about at T&E and why making disciples is priority is because we don't want you to say, oh, that's good, I'm a Christian, and walk out the door and, and not have any idea what's going on. We want to, together, build each other up, understand what that means. And if you're in that place where this is all new to you and you want to follow Jesus, we'd love to help you. I'd love to catch up with you. Your friends that are here with you would love to know and share with you, read the Bible with you, and help you work it out what it means. I'll never forget the first time uh, I kind of understood believing in the history of Jesus, but then truly understanding what repentance was. I'll never forget that first semester at uni, knowing that where I had a friend meet up with me each week and read the Bible to help me see that. Even as a pastor all these years later, some of those times are what I end up um, teaching you. Whichever side you are of that, the heart to want to share or the heart to learn uh, with someone, that's what we need to do together. So when we think about the how of making disciples, let's not be fooled. There's a danger in this word make. I wonder if you know what the danger is. We can be fooled into think we are the ones actually making people Christians as if we're the ones with the power. God is the one who does it. That hopefully is, ex- is seen in Luke's uh, conclusion. Were you on the cross a couple thousand years ago? Did you rise from the dead? Are you the uh, Lord of all, the one who's had sin done to? Are you the one who's freely given grace? No. God is the one who transforms hearts and minds. His son, Jesus, has done the work. The Spirit transforms people to see that through his word. The make, go make disciples, is about us sharing that. Being a witness to that. That's what verse 48 in Luke says. You are witnesses of these things. You are there to see it and to share it. And how extraordinary is it, 2,000 years later... We are part of that as God's people. God could have made Christians in another way. He could have given that revelation some other way, but he wanted to include his people. How extraordinary. God is the one who does it. See, the how is not about skills. We can be freed from thinking, I need to be good. I reckon uh, there's no doubt many of you who love Jesus, who want to share, are crippled by, I'm just not that talented that way. The knowing the how is about the message and God's work gives you freedom because it's not dependent upon you. You're a witness. You share. You have a crack. 
As if God's not bigger than you, that if you do say the wrong thing accidentally, oh, that's it. No. He has all authority. I think he can manage with our weaknesses. You see, the how is about knowing the message. It's about loving the message. Do you love being in a relationship with Jesus? Do you love the idea that after all the mess of this world ends, there's an eternity of glory and perfection waiting? The how is about sharing that. The format is a much of a muchness. It comes in all sorts of different ways. It comes in, it comes in uh, all the different things we do together that help people understand. You'll notice in the leaflets, I, mean, I was really encouraged to see the people responded to in the leaflets. Last week I added a couple of things in there that were kind of a little bit random because they're not structured in our church yet. But um, I put down there discipleship and one-to-one Bible reading and, and quite a few of you asked, what's the difference? And I, that was really great. Because what, what I, what I uh, is, is thinking there is that what we want is we want people reading the Bible together. We want people reading the Bible together and it wouldn't it be great if so many of us were reading it with people who want to try and figure it out but don't understand Christianity. That's why I was thinking about one-to-one um, Bible reading. And discipleship kind of includes that, but discipleship's everything, which is about following Jesus. And I was thinking about um, particularly times when getting together with other Christians and nurturing them and growing in your relationship with God. See, it's why um, the Trinity, when we're part of the Trinity network of churches, it's why we are passionate about church planting. Because at this time, in this part of the world, we believe that church planting is a really good way to make disciples for the sake of God. It's why we want to actually try and get better at talking to people. It's why we want to get involved because of the message. So we've got those first two points done. We've got the what. We've got the how, the core of the message that we've got to cling to. Has the why become clear to you yet? I hope it is. Let me spell it out. It's, it's what disciples do. You see, let's, let's dispel any ideas. It's kind of something that has, I think, through the centuries, gone in waves of uh, crippling the Christian church as uh, Christians have forgotten this through history. To be a disciple is to be a disciple maker. Not... Oh, no, and not even to be a disciple is to say, I want to encourage others to do that and I'm all for it. No, no, you want to be actively involved in it. You cannot want Christianity and stop short. Why? Well, two things. Do you really want to say to Jesus, ah, forget your ways. I know you said go and make, but I don't want, you, I don't want to do that. that. You can't do that. And the second one, let me be really, really blunt, potentially rude. If you think like that, you are profoundly selfish. Consider the most, ex- most selfish moment that you've experienced in your life from someone else or the person that you've experienced of a selfish moment in your life and how horrible that was. I want to suggest to you, if you've got the greatest thing in your possession that anyone could ever have, an eternal relationship with God forever, 
that you know is through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And you don't want to share that. Then you're more selfish than that person you just thought of. Sometimes, sometimes Christians are, are challenged on two fronts. Religion is about my own personal faith. How dare you talk to me about it and why, why would you talk to me about it? And then there's the flip side, which I've had uh, uh, experienced as well and even in the, in the public sphere, is if you're a Christian and you truly believe this, I can't believe you're not telling everyone. Both, of, both sides. And I think we need to see is that we don't manipulate people into believing Jesus, but we want to just witness to it, to share it. Because it is that good. Eternity with God is real. See, the question is why do you love what you have? You know I keep coming back to 2 Corinthians 5 and Paul's attitude. Paul was compelled by the love of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.14, compelled by love. Jesus didn't just die because he had to. He faced the most horrid thing, the sin of the whole world, the wrath of his father, but all of sin. He did it out of extraordinary love that we can only kind of glimpse an understanding of. We're compelled. I hope you're picking up why making disciples is the DNA of us at Trinity Northeast. We don't do it individually, we do it together. So as we finish, let me just run through some final thoughts. If you want to jot these down, if you're that type of person, that may be helpful for you. But some final thoughts. First one is, know the message message, and be saved by the message. There's a chance that some of you think that you're a Christian here today, um, whether you've been coming to Trinity Northeast for a while or not. But if you spend a moment reflecting on it, maybe you need to challenge yourself with, have I truly submitted to Jesus? Have I truly given him my life and accepted that he is Lord and that I need him to die for me? Maybe you need to stop that pretending game that you're wrestling with yourself. Know the message and be saved by the message. Number two is the key will be how much you love this message and what God's done and how much you love people. You've got to wrestle with that. If you just hate people or you just bear them and put up with them, but you need to transform your heart to be more like God and you need to see that we need to be compelled. Number three, sincerity, genuineness and listening go a long way. I have no doubt We've had really good moments of welcoming at Trinity Northeast and helping people make disciples and we've dropped the ball just in my three years here. I reckon we've done both. But what covers a multitude of mistakes is when we're sincere with people. When we talk to them, even if we don't get it right, and actually if we stop talking about ourselves and listen to them and where they're at and actually find out about others not try and talk about how great we are or just talk about what we're doing or everything about us and just listen to people. Number four, we aim to get better but we don't make it an excuse when we're not. 
I'll move on for that one uh, for time. But number five, have space to do it. Do you clutter up your week so much that you don't even give thought to wanting people to know Jesus? Just say you went to work tomorrow and someone walked into your office and said, I know you're a Christian, I want to read the Bible with you. And you think, I literally have no way of doing that, I've got no time. You've got a problem. We need to have a fresh, we need to constantly have fresh thinking about Sundays and how we can be better at things. And I want to continue to do that. I certainly don't think I'm an an expert, but I want to get better. And I hope that if you have that attitude as well, we will. We want our Sunday services to be always thinking about how can we help people follow Jesus? Not, how can we help it be such a great schmick service? We don't want to do all this serving stuff because we just want to tick off admin roles and boxes and make sure everything happens. We want to do it so that the service can function in a way in which it's welcoming and, and encouraging for newcomers as we also come to Jesus. We need to constantly visit what we do to see if that's what's happening. And next week, as I mentioned earlier, we'll think about welcoming in more detail. Sometimes it's just the way we say things in in, in our approach that can help our fresh thinking. Last point. This really supersedes everything. If you're on board, whether it's today or whether um, it was years ago that you come to follow Jesus, you must make it a priority and that priority is far more than just in your mind as an, ideal, as an ideal. You make wanting people uh, to follow Jesus something that you love. It's a priority in your life. That's why it was one of our three things, because I think Jesus demands it of us. And I think we should ask God now to help us to transform us in that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are extraordinarily gracious and kind in what you've done for us. Uh, Father, we, we hear uh, the words of the scriptures, the ends of two of the gospels, which we're reminded of what Jesus has done, his death and resurrection. We're reminded of his words in saying, go and make disciples in what he's done. And Lord, we ask that we won't pay lip service to this, we won't ignore this, but that you will transform us to want to see people love you, as we do. Father, we pray that wherever we're at in our relationship with you, we will consider your son and what he's done for us. Amen.